0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Be With CVFC. This month we are talking about Be Prepared. My name is Kaylee Bells. I'm a senior here at CVFC coming at you from Oakland University and with me today are several Board of Delegates members. Introducing themselves now.
1: Hello, I'm Aspen Brunswick. I go to Churchill High School. I'm on the Executive Board of Delegates and I'm planning on going to University of Michigan Ann Arbor next fall.
2: I'm Lily West, I go to Swartz Creek High School and I'll be attending Saginaw Valley State University next year. Hi everyone, my name is Carly Bundon. I go to Monroe High
3: School and next fall I will be attending Western Michigan University.
0: Awesome, so this week on our podcast we are talking a lot about being prepared with a specific focus on college. So whether that's college applications, your freshman year, just being ready, we want to help provide you with the tools and resources and answers to questions about kind of all things college. So I wanna open it up to the three of you of, is there any specific question that you have about the college experience, about the college application process? I know most of you have gone through applications already, know where you're going, um, but opening it up to you on what are you looking for?
1: Yeah, uh, I can start. So I was just wondering, um, like once you're already in college, like we've already started finding scholarships, but when you're already in college, how have you gone about finding scholarships?
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good question. So financial aid is something that really is important for all college students to look into, especially if you are worried about the cost of education, which tuition honestly keeps increasing every year. Um, So one of the things that's really important for students to do is fill out their FAFSA every year. So that's how you're going to get a lot of your state and federal aid. But in addition to that, most schools have community scholarships that you can apply to once you're involved in your freshman year. So looking at your school specific scholarships, usually those end up being like a February or March deadline of every year. And there's specific department scholarships, there's student involvement scholarships, looking at what your school offers for your sophomore, junior and senior years is super important when it comes to finding scholarships. Plus you can often look outside of your school for scholarships. There are so many nonprofits and community foundations that offer scholarships to already enrolled college students that people don't apply for every single year that if you're the applicant of, you know, one or two people, you have such a higher chance of getting those scholarships.
3: I think it's important like in the scholarship process definitely like even if it's only like $200 or $300 like still applying to the little like random one like local ones that you find. I know I applied to a lot of like my local school ones or like um, a lot of banks do scholarships or like literally any small business like there's a thrift shop in my town that does a scholarship. And if nobody hears about it, even if it's only $200, like it's worth taking the time because then it's like you're kind of guaranteed to get it type of thing. Yeah.
0: A lot of times those scholarships are going to be covering the cost of textbooks, the cost mm-hmm. of, you know, part of your housing, maybe your grocery bill, um, gas to and from home or mm-hmm. to your classes that are, you know, maybe be off campus. So those little scholarships do add up.
2: Yeah, and I think like the some of those colleges like have like they'll invite you to do like a scholarship competition there for like the bigger scholarships and those are really big. I did two of those so that was really that was really helpful Mm
3: because I got some
2: good money from that so Mm -hmm. yeah.
3: And like keeping an eye on different like events that colleges host like with Western, I'm actually going to an event in April. It's like called WMU to U and they're doing an event in Detroit for like the southeast like Michigan kids going to Western and while you're there there's a chance to win a $1,000 book scholarship just for kids going to that event. So it's like just looking for small things, even if it doesn't seem like the 1000 on top of like the
0: 27000 that you have to pay that year, like it, it adds up. And I think with that, especially for those who are still in their application process, that type of event is popular. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you'll have school representatives coming to your school or coming to your area where even if you're not getting a large scholarship, a lot of times those representatives will have application fee waivers or... Yeah. Um, Introductory, like packages of here's what financial aid is, here's what you can do, here's the deadlines and priority deadlines that really help make college a little bit more affordable, especially if you don't know where you're going. I know that for me, I applied to six or seven schools, you know, going into my senior year of high school where I wasn't sure what I want to do, where I was going, and those application fees would add up, but I talked to a lot of people called financial aid representatives of the schools and was able to get a couple more of those waivers that made the application process itself more affordable.
1: Yeah and like for me I think there's also a lot of value in like finding your own like niche because like I'm a first generation college student so I got a fee waiver over at Georgia Tech. Um, Because I'm a first generation I'm applying to a couple like Michigan scholarships, Mm -hmm. outside scholarships that are solely for those first Mm -hmm. generation students. So no matter what it is I know my friend she got um she applied for this one scholarship because she's taking portuguese over at state mm-hmm. so it's finding those niche communities where you can make like you're not up against a huge competition mm-hmm. right. i think it's huge
3: it's like tempting to apply for like the national scholarships that are like $25,000 but those get like millions of applicants a year <laughs> and it's hard to like stand out in like a crowd of millions of people that are all going to college. And so it's, like, I have been applying to a lot that are, like, uh, career-specific because, like, I know I want to go into psychology and, like, go to med school and everything, so applying to, like, those specific scholarships, like, helps narrow it down, like, increasing your chances.
2: Yeah, and I think it's important to look for, like, the local ones, too, because mm-hmm. I know, like, I live in a lower-income area, and everyone that lives in our county automatically gets a $1,000 toward college if you just submit this, like, you put your name and your school into a form and submit it, and they'll automatically send the money. And then there's some other local ones that get very few applicants that are Mm -hmm. good to Mm apply for.
0: Yeah. So scholarships is definitely one of the more prevalent um, areas of college applications in the college process, and I think it's definitely one that I'm glad that we talked about. But moving on from, like, scholarships and financial aid, you know, as you were preparing for college, how were you deciding, you know, what you wanted to do, where you wanted to go? And is there a part of that process that maybe you weren't prepared for
2: um I wasn't prepared when I started applying to colleges I didn't realize that you needed that a lot of them asked you what major you wanted to go into on the application because I wasn't ready for that at the time because everyone was telling me to do a safer major and I wanted to do a major that I was more passionate about so I was kind of still weighing the pros and cons of that and I figured I'd apply and then I'd pick my major like the summer before college so I wasn't prepared to put that on there and then I ended up doing that and I had to go through a lot more trouble to change it later so because I didn't mm-hmm. put thought into it beforehand
0: yeah I think picking your major is one of the most difficult pieces of college. I was pretty fortunate that you know I went into college knowing, okay, I want to go to law school after college, but I had that trouble of, okay, what am I going to study with my undergrad? What am I going to focus on prior because my school didn't offer a pre-law program, and even if they did, I wanted something that I could have a bit more of a backup plan for. So I went back and forth a lot of, okay, what opportunities are available to me at school? What opportunities and programs can I study with here? And part of that was financial aid of, okay, what school is gonna give me the most for what I potentially want to do? And I ended up um, majoring in finance and minoring in applied leadership kind of to build that backup plan of what I wanted to do for law school. But I've also had friends who they've changed their majors four or five times. And luckily, a lot of schools build up for that process with your freshman year of here, you're going to take some general electives, you're going to take some general education courses, we want to be sure that you're a well rounded student, but also that you're not stuck in a major that you're going to hate. I know people that, you know, they skipped out on a lot of those general education courses, and ended up not liking what they went into by their freshman, sophomore year, but they were able to switch that of, okay, maybe business isn't for me. Maybe I want to go into engineering or maybe health sciences, nursing, isn't it? I'm going to go into teaching because that's something that I'm more comfortable and passionate for. And those general education courses and elective courses are really helpful when it comes to giving you time to pick and choose those classes that you're passionate about. I would say don't stay in a major that you're going to be unhappy with because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day college is going to be anywhere from you know probably three to six years of your life but the career that you end up in is going to be you know 60 years. It's going to be a lot more of your time and so it's okay to not be prepared for your major but finding a school that supports you in those choices I think is super important. Um, One of Our fellow CVFC members um, told us, you know, when we were first starting college, go to the school that wants you the most. So that was that was our friend, Matt Wood. And part of that is saying, okay, what school is reaching out to you? What school is maybe giving you the most money, but also what school is going to see you as a student and what school speaks to you of the school that wants you the most is also going to be the school that you are going to get the most out of, and I think that's something really important to consider when you're all making your decisions, and, you know, I'm sure it was something that probably played into your decisions to attend the schools that you're going to, and I'd like to speak a little bit more to that of why did you choose the schools that you're going to?
2: Okay, I'll start. So I chose my school because I wanted to, like, live at college, but I also, my family is very important to me, and I wanted to go back on weekends and things, so I was able to find one that was like 40 minutes away from where I lived so I was able to go back and forth but also have that distance and I ended up getting a full ride to this college which really kind of helped the decision but I had it it took a while because there are a few other ones that I was like oh it has a prettier campus but then I had to really think of what I wanted to get out of college and not just like what I saw on the surface level Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and for me um going into like my applications I was a very heavy, like, STEM applicant engineering planning like that. And while I still intend to do that currently, um, my plans have slightly shifted where I think I wanted to take a more educational route um, and not just go purely into, like, those math and engineering parts, but learn how to, like, teach it forward in the future. So for me, it was important when deciding my school, I didn't want to go to the pure engineering school. I wanted to go to a school where they were good in the social sciences in education and where I could find backups mm-hmm. or even if I wanted to change my major I found out oh I hate engineering like I'm talking <laughs> about this as a high school senior if I found that out I don't want to go to a school where I'm trapped right. I don't want to go to a school where I have no backups so that's why I chose a place where their their specialties are not exact they have a broad range of options that was very important to me
3: awesome Um, I chose to go to my school um, for like, the different internship opportunities that they have. They have like a lot of uh, different ways to get you connected, like networking, like getting you connected to people that you would be involved with in your like future careers. They have a lot of um, student leadership opportunities and um, different organizations that can help to like secure your spot in your career, I guess. Um, there's something called the MOTS program over there um and it's like acceptance rate is really low but like once you're in you're kind of in with your career and they have a lot of like psychology based um things it's one of it's one of the best psychology um like beginner schools i guess like to get your four year degree yeah so that was really important to me um but one thing kind of like going into like when we were talking about majors that i wanted to touch on for a second is definitely taking advantage of the school or the opportunities that your high schools offer when it comes to, like, exploring your future careers. Um, I've been taking a lot of direct college classes since freshman year, and I've taken, like, a variety of them. Some of them, like, aren't even, like, close to what I'm doing now. Like, it's not even, I have the credit, but it's not going to help in, like, getting my degree. Um, But that has definitely helped, like, solidify my choice and is, like, I'm already kind of, like, dipping my toes in, like, what I'm going to get myself into. So that's been
0: helpful. Taking advantage of AP courses Mm -hmm. and dual enrollment courses that your school might offer Mm -hmm. can be a really amazing way to first, again, like dip your toe into the college experience, Mm -hmm. but also begin that process of, okay, what do I want to do in college? And also can sometimes make college a little bit more affordable when you're getting one or two of those general education courses out of the way already in high school. Definitely. So looking into what your high school offers in terms of college and career prep can be amazingly Mm -hmm.
1: helpful. Yeah, and definitely. And I think also, too, making your own opportunities. Um, For me, I was thinking, like, especially my sophomore year, about how I wanted to do, like, educational software development. And there wasn't, like, there's not a lot for that in Livonia, Michigan. So I created, like, a project where I teach kids how to code and stuff like that. So it's creating those own opportunities so Mm -hmm. you can see what do I look like in the career field I want to go into? Like, do I feel comfortable here? Do I feel like I'm using my potential? So creating those opportunities when there might not be any is also hugely important.
0: Yeah. And speaking of opportunities, I think one of the things that I'm really passionate about, you know, as about to be a graduating senior from college is with the opportunities of student organizations and student involvement on campus. So before I give maybe my rant, you know, do you all have questions about maybe how to get involved, student organizations that are available, or anything really in regards to student involvement at all?
2: Yeah, so how do you know, like, what activities, like, your college offers? Because I know they have a lot, and I don't know how to, like, figure out what <laughs> are the options to, like, and which choose. ones I want to be involved in. I've applied to a few, but I don't know all of the.
0: Yeah, so I know for me, Oakland University has over 150 student organizations, and that's being a campus that is, primarily commuter-based. We have about fifteen to 20,000 students depending on the semester. And in comparison to a school like University of Michigan, who has over 300 student organizations, you know, we still have a lot of variety of choice. A lot of schools have campus organization platforms. So at Oakland, it's called Grizzorgs. Um, and it's through a software called Campus Labs, where every single student organization on campus is listed. And in those student organizations, it gives a short blurb, it gives the contact information of like the executive board for that organization. And it also allows those organizations to post what they have going on. So for example, I'm the president of the student program board on our campus. So I am heavily involved in programming and events and putting out, you know, experiences for students every week. And we are able to post those events on Grizzorg. So it'll say, hey, by the way, we're hosting a mental health fair on x date. There's going to be free stuff. There's going to be free food. Um, for other organizations, sometimes they are um, offer extra credit, and that's also an option that you can filter by. So finding that campus organization platform is super important. But most schools also do, like, organization fest so at the beginning of each semester there's something that's called typically called welcome week and in that every single student organization has the opportunity to table in like the student center or the central lobby or center campus the quad whatever it is at your school and it's usually a two to four hour time period of hey you can walk through this see what's here talk to people find what you're passionate about and if you're not finding what you're looking for most campuses are very very passionate about you being able to start your own student organizations of hey you have yourself and two or three friends you know someone on campus that's a staff member or a faculty member or a professor or even just someone in their office of involvement we can make it happen that we can build a student organization for you so i know at my school right now i'm helping a group of freshmen start up the mock trial club again so that was something that you know four or five years ago existed Covid hit and it ended up kind of dissipating but they're really passionate about being able to start it and as long as you have yourself and you know a couple of friends you can put together what it is that you want to experience and i think really putting that together and finding what you want if it doesn't already exist making it happen is something that's really cool about the college experience.
3: One question that I have is that would you say is it easier to get involved like early on like as a freshman sophomore versus a junior senior in college because like one of my biggest fears of going to college is that like in my freshman year I'm going to get burnt out and overwhelmed and I don't want to like take on too much and then have to, like, drop it all. So, like, what, in your experience as a senior, like, what would you say is the best way to, like, navigate that?
0: Yeah, I would say you have the opportunity as a freshman to experience a lot of different things. And then, you know, for me, I was involved in almost everything my freshman year. And then I started to dedicate myself to the few things that I was really passionate about. So as I went through school, you know, I was involved in, I'm in a business i was involved in financial management association i was involved in different leadership organizations and then as i you know got to my sophomore year and my junior year and my senior year i started taking up you know more of those leadership roles in those organizations and lessening my involvement in some of those organizations that maybe i wasn't quite as passionate about or they didn't quite relate as much to my career as i wanted and i think luckily with college you have the flexibility to be a part of what you want to be and you know testing the water with one or two meetings and then saying it's not for you is absolutely okay it's not you know like high school where everyone's going to know your name and they're going to know if you're not showing up it's definitely more of a thing where I've gone to a meeting for an organization I've gone once and it was a great time and then I've never gone again because it wasn't necessarily the organization for me and then there's other organizations that I've dedicated and committed my time to and I'm lucky that with the program board, I actually am able to be paid for the work that I'm doing. So I'm balancing you know, my work life and my student involvement in one organization. And, you know, finding those opportunities can be super helpful as well. But moving on from, you know, student organizations and student involvement, um, do you have other questions about, you know, campus experience, housing on campus, just classes in general? you know, what, what it is it that you are looking for.
2: What's it like getting used to living in a dorm and living, like, with a bunch of other people your age?
0: Yeah, so it's actually, I would say, one of my favorite experiences on campus. So I've lived on campus all four years. I lived in the dorms for three years, and then I live in the student apartments now, and I was extremely lucky to go into, um, A roommate matching where even though we were strangers, we were able to communicate really well. And I think that's one of the things of being able to communicate and being willing to talk to whoever your roommate might end up being, whether it's one person or three people or, you know, five people, which I don't think you see quite as many of that, um, is setting those healthy boundaries. You know, your roommate doesn't have to be your best friend. And if you're lucky, maybe they will be. Maybe they're going to be that person that you instantly click with and you're going to live with for you know the rest of your time at your university but maybe they're just going to be a good roommate you can set those healthy boundaries of this space is both of ours and we're going to take care of it and we're going to communicate and we don't have to be best friends because I think that's one of the things that people really look over when they're finding a roommate is oh this person has to be my best friend they don't have to be you know your best friend might not be someone that you can live with. Like personally, one of my best friends, I love her dearly. I don't think I could ever live with her because we would just clash in that living space. Um, But my roommate, who is another one of my best friends, we came in of, okay, we're not expecting to be best friends, but we have similar policies regarding when we wanna go to bed, how we want the room to be cleaned, um, the fact that we want the lights off when we're sleeping, Um, those things are important conversations to have when you're navigating having a roommate. But even beyond that, just living on campus, you know, it's a little bit different than maybe commuting of, you are right there, but also depending on where you're going to school, for example, Oakland's a very heavy commuter campus, everyone left on the weekends. So finding those people and finding what you wanted to do and getting involved was really important for me my freshman year of, okay, Where are my people at? And I think, you know, as you you asked, how do you get used to living with a whole bunch of people your age? You just kind of have to take it day by day of, okay, what is it that I know how to do? And what is it that I need to suddenly build a routine for? You know, building a routine to go to meals, go to the dining hall, do laundry, study while also attempting to make a whole bunch of new friends was something that, you know, can be difficult. But putting yourself out there, especially that first week, so usually freshmen have two to four days before classes start that they're already going to be on campus. So going out into the lobby of your residence hall or going to the student center and just being open to experience and talking to people and making those random conversations, you're going to find the people that you click with.
2: Kind of going off that, do you think that like living on campus opens up like more opportunities than if you were a commuter at your college?
0: I definitely think that it does. I think some of it depends on the school, but when you're on campus, you are right there when things are happening. So for me, it was easier to get involved because, you know, I could walk 10 minutes and get to any student organization meeting on campus that I wanted to. I also got a lot of job opportunities because I was living on campus, whether it was my involvement in housing um, or just because I didn't have to drive to work. I didn't have to um, figure out my commute and the time to school and spend that money on gas. I was just already there. And there's a lot of different ways that you can get involved in your residence halls, whether it's like a community council, so like a residence hall organization, or as you continue as, like, a resident and assistant or an academic peer mentor in the dorms, depending on, you know, the titles that your school has for them. But I think it is a really easy way to know people on campus because you're already exposed to, you know, probably at least 200 to 400 students that are living in the same building as you.
3: Um What would you say is, like, the best, like, piece of advice or, like, kind of experience with, like, living far away from home? Because, like, my commute is going to be – or not commute. I'm living on campus, but it's, like, two and a half hours. And, like, I rely heavily on my family. And, like, all of my people, like, live in this area, like, nowhere near me. So it's, like, not having that support system. It's, like, I feel like I'm ready for that independence and, like, I want to, like, do that. But I'm also terrified, like, how (laughs) –
0: I navigate that. Totally get that. So I am originally from Kalamazoo, and I'm going to school in <laughs> Rochester. So we're basically okay. flipping yeah. um, our experiences. My drive back home is two and a half to three hours, yeah. depending on traffic and weather. Right. And I am also very heavily reliant on my family. Mm-hmm. I grew up with three sisters, one of them being my twin sister. So I'd always had someone, right. you know, kind of right there with me, and you have to learn how to navigate that i didn't know anyone who attended my school mm-hmm. there was no one else from my school so far attending oakland makes and so it was definitely an interesting process to navigate i would say phone calls facetime those were really big for me of my parents were always willing to answer the phone my sister was you know just starting college at the same time as me and we would facetime on the weekends at random hours of the night And that was really helpful for me because I didn't want to make that drive constantly. It was, you know, that three-hour drive is one, a tank of gas. yeah. Um, But it's also a long time. And it meant that, you know, if I was going home, I was giving up that whole weekend, Mm -hmm. if not more than that, um, of time that I could be connecting on campus, making new friendships. But I really heavily, you know, push myself with breaks of, Okay, when is fall break? When is winter break? When is spring break? And how can I use that time most efficiently to connect with my family and go back? And then also, you know, where are those middle points of, there was a couple times where I met my sister in Lansing because that was that halfway point between our two schools of, okay, maybe I can't make the drive all the way home, but I can make the drive halfway. She can make the drive halfway and we can split that difference. And also just inviting your families to your school. There's often times where um, schools will host siblings weekends or their host parent weekends or you know times like homecoming or spirit weeks where it's really encouraged for the community to get involved. And that's a great time to pull your parents or pull your siblings or pull your friends back home onto campus with you and share that experience with them in person of, you don't always have to be the one going back home.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, communicating that, hey, I want you to be here too. I want to share this with you. I found really important. Okay.
1: And then, consuming with like that support system building, I think a lot of leadership kids are very much teachers' pets. So, how did you go about um, like not building relationships, like making your classrooms feel smaller, like talking to like TAs, stuff like that? How did mm-hmm. you go about that?
0: Yeah. No, I I definitely was one of those teachers' pets in high school. Um, so for me, I was lucky to find a program um, at Oakland where I was a direct admit into a cohorted program. So all of my, you know, business core classes were with the same group of twenty students every semester. But I also had, you know, my major-specific courses, my general elective courses, and I had to figure out, okay, these are people that I don't know. These are professors that I don't know. Um, taking advantage of professor's office hours is amazing. If you are struggling with a class, chances are, most of the time, students aren't going to a professor's office hours, which means they're going to be available to talk to you, and they're going to be thrilled about it because (laughs) a lot of times they're just waiting to engage with students. There's a reason that they're teaching and it's not because they're making money. You know, some some teachers and professors are, but a lot of times it's because they want that engagement with students. So taking advantage of office hours to build those connections is really important. And when it comes to, you know, students in your classes, a lot of times we'll create, you know, group me's or um, text message, group chats that are like, okay, we can check in on this class. You know, I probably have six different group reviews right now and they're all labeled some variation of finance class that you can be the one to take the initiative to start or sometimes your email will just be added and they'll be like okay hey do you want to be a part of this um of you can check in about homework you can check in about deadlines and you know a lot of times you're going to find maybe a group of people in your classes that you're going to then travel with through the rest of your semester or maybe you'll have a couple different people but I think In terms of that, of making those connections, of that that teacher's pet, people here, especially your professors, want to be engaged with, and you just have to take advantage of doing that. I think, you know, for leadership kids, it's something that they tend to do in high school anyway, that you just have to carry over and not be afraid to talk to them.
2: Kind of a question going off that is about, like, office hours. Because I know, like, everyone I've asked about, like, college advice, or I've talked to, like, college... People that work at colleges, they always say like their one piece of advice is to go to office hours, but I don't really know what that means and like what you do there.
0: <laughs> yeah, so because college is a little bit different than schedule, it's not your typical nine to two or not even nine to two, seven thirty to two thirty p.m. Um, school day. Professors have office hours, so usually in whatever academic building that they teach in. So, for example, um, with my professors, most of the time I'm in the School of Business, so there's all of the the classrooms, and then upstairs are the different professors' offices. And so they'll post on Moodle or Canvas or Blackboard or whatever classroom system that your school uses of, okay, I have office hours, so from 2 to 4 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays, for example. And that's basically just their commitment to being available in their office. So for professors, their office is basically what, a teacher would have is a classroom because their classrooms are going to be not in the same place. So, you know, I've had the same professor four times and I've never had him in the same classroom, you know. So that changes whereas the professor's office doesn't. And so you can go to office hours, basically it's their time of the day that they're committed to being available to students. And Sometimes it's asking for help with homework. Sometimes it's asking for feedback on tests. Sometimes it's just talking to the professor of, hey, by the way, are you available to do this? And a lot of times professors will often offer hybrid office hours. So, you know, send them an email of like, hey, by the way, during your office hours, can we meet on Zoom or can we meet on Google Meet? Or are you going to be in your office in person where I can come in and talk to you about our latest exam, our latest unit um, or even about getting involved on campus. A lot of professors are student organization advisors. They're involved in different research. I know for me, I'm writing my thesis right now. So I talk to my capstone professor about, you know, research and writing essays and writing a thesis. And it's not necessarily topic heavy, but it's okay. Is this citation going to be correctly used in the way that this is formatted and, you know, taking advantage of that, because again, a lot of students don't go to office hours. They don't take advantage of supplemental instruction because it's not required, but it's really something that can help your college career. So I think, you know, unless you have any other questions, um, my final takeaway would be, you know, build a support system, make your school home, get involved and you know, if you have questions, reach out to MESC, you know, DM us on Instagram, um, find people in your network that can answer your questions and help because we're always here for advice. Um, and chances are that someone around you is going to know the answer as long as you're willing to ask. Um, any final thoughts from any of you?
1: I think it's just like, it's your education, right? So much is important with like, like, be willing to change majors. Be willing to be adaptable. Don't feel like you have to fit that mold of like what others expect of you. Just go into college. This is an amazing experience. Like, Make your own path. Don't try to follow one predetermined by others.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today for Be With CVFC on being prepared. Um, hopefully, you came out of this with a couple of your questions answered, with a couple more tips and tricks on how to be prepared for college and how to navigate those experiences. But we will see you next time.